Vincent Werbeck's Derby. I wonder, do you have a place, a community, a group of people where you can laugh with them? A group of people where you can cry with them, a, a place where you belong, where you can celebrate the most critical things that happen in your life. Maybe really, really good things, maybe really, really hard things. Do you have a place like that? For me, I lived in the same place for 30 years before I went off to be trained to be a vicar. I was almost born in this place, I was baptised in this place, I was confirmed in this place, I got married in this place, we got our daughter baptised in this place. There were people there that drove me crazy, I'm sure I drove some of the people there crazy. I was hurt by people and I know that I hurt people. We saw people come to faith there, we journeyed with people, some people fell away, we saw lives changed. It was made up of all kinds of different people. And it was just a little parish church on the edge of London, bordering on Kent. Just a little church that I went to. And here this evening, I'm sure we're going to have all kinds of different experiences of church. There'll be some of you for whom maybe tonight is your first evening in a church. For others of us, you may have been almost conceived in a church, and you've got kind of a broad range of experiences of it. And tonight, I want to have a little bit of a look about what Jesus has to say about his church. So, if you've got a Bible with you or a Bible on your phone, can I encourage you to open it to Matthew chapter 16? Just to say, if you're here tonight and you don't own a Bible, um, we would love to give you a Bible. There are Bibles over here on the little table by the pillar. If you don't have one at home, please do take one. It's our free gift to you tonight because we believe that reading this thing really can change your life. So it's Matthew 16, verse 13 to verse 20. It's page 983 in here. I don't know it will be on yours. Um, and it will come up on the screens behind me, I think. Will it? Yeah, well, amazing. Good. I didn't even tell Leah tonight. She's already on it. She's so good on the screens. Matthew 16, verses 13 to 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do, the, who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Father God, I want to thank you for your word to us, and I ask that you would speak as I speak this evening. Amen. This evening, we're continuing our series on something called the Apostles' Creed. And the Apostles' Creed is a statement of Christian belief that Christians all over the world and throughout the centuries could sign up to. It's based firstly on the Bible, but it's also based on material dating back 
to the second century. And it kind of gives, if you like, the boundary markers of the Christian faith. There's a whole bunch of stuff it doesn't go into, but there's an awful lot of central things that it does. And we're working our way through it. And this evening we come to the bit, and we sung it a few minutes ago, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Now, a couple of just quick points before we jump into the Matthew bit that we looked at this evening. The word Catholic may jump off the page at you. And when you see it, I want you to notice that um, it's not Catholic with a big C, it's Catholic with a small C. And so don't think the Pope and kind of priests in that way. Think the word universal. So the Holy Universal Church, of which the Roman Catholic Church is part of it, but it's the Holy Universal Church. And then we've got the phrase, the communion of saints. And we sometimes are drawn perhaps to the ladies here to my left or to the guys up there in the kind of stained glass. But actually, saints in the Scriptures are everyone who follows Jesus. So Paul, when he writes his letter to the churches, he often puts, dear saints... And I tell you what, some of those churches were not living in a way that Jesus would encourage. And yet he calls them saints. So he can call them saints not because of their behaviour, but because they're followers of Jesus and God sees them in right relationship with him because of what Jesus has done. So if you are here this evening and you're a follower of Jesus, you're a saint. In fact, when I went to theological college, one of the tutors used to wander around and he'd say, Morning, saints. Good to see you, saints, because everybody there is a saint. And I want to say to you tonight, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a saint. It's good news for us. Now, so Catholic Church, universal, saints, that's all of us, and all people throughout history who follow Jesus. It's all good news. So, the Matthew bit. In today's reading, we come to it, and Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. And he asks them, he says, guys, who are people saying that the Son of Man is? The Son of Man, it's a kind of unusual phrase. Jesus uses it about himself and he uses it because there's a whole bunch of stuff in the Old Testament that um, the Son of Man is. And that's kind of a different sermon, so I won't go there tonight. But following their response, which Peter gives, Jesus says this. He says, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Often when I speak to people about Jesus, we take a bit of a left-hand turn and we end up talking about church. Often it's a bit safer territory than talking about Jesus. Jesus is a little bit kind of, oh my goodness, that's quite serious religious stuff. But church, we can talk about church. And when I get talking about church, I often end up listening to complaints about power or sexual manipulation, or abuse, or slavery, or misogyny, or racism. I hear about the fact that religion causes all wars. And to be honest, we need to admit and own some of that stuff, that often the church of Jesus hasn't looked like the one that we follow. So we need to hold our hands up to that and say, yeah, some of that is true. Of course, I do sometimes call them out on things like religion causes all wars. I, I like to walk them through the 20th century, and I'll say, guys, um, do you remember World War I? Well, they won't remember it, but World War I, and World War II, and the Korean War, and the Vietnam War, and the Cold War. Now, I'm no historian, but I don't think religion had a lot to do with any of those, and that's just the 20th century. So it can be nice just to kind of do that with people. But as I said, it's really good to say to people, actually, 
often the church doesn't look like the Jesus we follow. And tonight it's really important that we recognise that the church didn't come about because some guys in Rome thought, I know, this is how we're going to control the masses. This is the opiate of the people. No, the church was Jesus' idea. And so I've got three quick things from today's reading that I would like to just highlight this evening. Firstly, the church is built on Jesus. I need to be honest with you guys that I'm not very good at DIY. I can possibly hang a picture. If it's a good day, I can hang a curtain rail. But I'm quite embarrassed in a city like this when I know that people can construct all sorts of incredible things. At Focus, we went camping, and these guys built these incredible, I don't know, like Bunsen burners, these just incredible things that heated all the rice that we could do. Or you get guys that come in, and they look at the heating system and go, oh, do you know what? If we just put some vents in here, the air can flow over the congregation. It will keep them warm in the winter. I'm going, oh, flipping air. Oh, my goodness. I feel slightly emasculated. But, it's not to say women can't do DIY. I'm sure there's a lot of women in the room who are far better at DIY than I am. Just need to clarify that. But I do enjoy large buildings. I do, it's a bit of a geeky thing with me. I love skyscrapers. And I worked in the city of London for a while, and I saw them build the Shard, and I saw them build the walkie-talkie, which is the one that's bigger at the top than at the bottom. And I got very excited, because slap bang in the city, they were going to build something called the Helter Skelter. And it it wasn't a big Helter Skelter, but it looked like a Helter Skelter. And it was just near my office. And it was going to be the second tallest building after the Shard in Europe. And near where I was, you could go to kind of where they were building the foundations of this thing. There was fencing, like big boards all the way around, but they had these little peepholes for people like me who could look through and geekily watch what was going on. And so often on my lunchtime, I would go and I would have a look at this building. And basically what it was, it was a massive hole in the ground. You look through, and it was, I don't know how many stories down this thing went, but it was story after story. They were building these incredible foundations for this, what was going to be an enormous building. Eventually, the designs got changed because the recession came, but they're building it again. So 22 Bishopsgate, second tallest building in Europe. Very exciting. But foundations. So I don't know much about foundations, but I know they need to be strong. I know they need to be deep. And I know that they need to be level. I'm sure they use something larger than this for foundations like that. But actually, foundations are very, very important. And I always think about this idea that the church is built on Jesus. Jesus asked the disciples, who do they say that I am? And Simon Peter, the spokesman, the extrovert maybe, or the loudmouth, however you want to think about him, says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. The Messiah. It means the anointed one, the chosen one, the one that Israel has been waiting for, the one that will rescue us. And Jesus says, you are Peter, Petros, the rock. It's kind of a nickname that Jesus gives to Simon. And over the centuries, there's been much ink spilt and possibly blood as well over what Jesus says in this bit when he says, actually, on this rock, I'll build my church. Some people would say it's on Peter, and they kind of think about the lineage of Peter working down through the centuries. But actually, many of us would want to say it's not Peter, as important as he was, It was Peter's confession of faith. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And so therefore it's this confession, this person of Jesus, that the church throughout history is built on. 
And that question that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am, is a question that every single one of us need to answer. If you're here tonight for perhaps the first time or the, you haven't been here very much, I want to encourage you to look at that question. Who is the person of Jesus? In October, we're going to be doing something called Alpha where people come and you have a meal, you watch a video, and you get to discuss questions like, is there more to life than this? Who is Jesus? Why did he die? You get to say, that's really interesting. Oh, I disagree with that. I think that's a load of rubbish. Oh, I've never thought of that before. And and it's just a great opportunity. So if you don't know what your answer to who is Jesus, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Can I encourage you? We kick off on the 2nd of October. We would love you to come to that. You can sign up on the website now. But back to this evening. The church is built on Jesus. He's our foundation, our cornerstone. The rock that we build the rock that the church is built on. And for words, we talk a lot about being Christ-centered. That's why we do it, because the church is built on him. So the church is built on Jesus, but the church is also built by Jesus. I was a little bit scared this morning. I, I walked, to, walked to church with a bunch of tools in my bag. Um, I was a little bit scared about being stopped by the police, um, but thankfully it was all, it was all good. And I don't know about you, um, I feel incredibly manly when I hold a saw. As I said, I'm sure there are many women in the room who are far better at sawing than I am. But it probably goes back to me when I was a kid and my dad used to saw stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's really exciting. Um, And and still to this day, I get very excited by sawing things. But um, if you look at the stats or the headlines, or you spend a lot of time on Twitter, you could be forgiven for thinking that the church is at death's door. Doesn't look good in a lot of ways. But actually, at the end of the 19th century, the philosopher Nietzsche, he wrote this book, and in the book it had this this madman running into a marketplace, and he shouts, God is dead. Well, Nietzsche is now dead, and the church has grown phenomenally since he made that statement. Globally, the church is bigger than it has ever been. It's just this little bit of the church where we're struggling a little bit more. And so, actually, Jesus is going to build his church, and that should encourage us. It should mean that in spite of what we see around us, that Jesus is at work building his church. He may not build it in the way we would expect, or perhaps with the people that we would anticipate, but he's building his church. In fact, in a podcast that I listened to, it suggests that actually, maybe one way in which God is renewing his church in this country is through people who are immigrating here from other parts of the world. Maybe not the people that society would pick, but actually that's one way that some congregations have been renewed in the last few years. People from outside the UK have come in, and we've experienced that here at Werbs as well. It should encourage us that Jesus is building his church. In these past two years, we've had the privilege of baptising, I'm looking out on some of them, baptising all kinds of people from different backgrounds. It's just been such a privilege that Jesus is building his church. We've seen people come to faith through, through tragedy. We've seen people come to faith because they grew up in church and have come to realise this stuff is true. We've had people come to church because they're looking for community. We've had people come to church because they're looking and going, oh my goodness, what are we building society on? There's all kinds of different reasons that people come to church. But Jesus is building his church. And we've got a vision here, a desire, a prayer goal to see 100 people baptised by December next year. And so I want to encourage you, as you think about Alpha, 
if either coming on it or inviting others. Jesus is building his church. He's drawing people to himself. So it means that the buck doesn't stop with you. God is at work and that should encourage us. It also means that for us as community, authentic community sometimes we talk about, that's Christ-centred, that God is at work building us together. Now, I don't know, if you look around the room, maybe this wouldn't be the natural bunch of people that you would spend your Sunday evening with. I don't know, maybe some of them would be, but some of them, I imagine, wouldn't be. And that can be hard. It means that we've got different expectations, different experiences, different, perhaps, languages and cultures and all kinds of things. And yet, actually, God is drawing us together. Jesus is building us together into his church. And that's exciting. It's good news. It means that many of us have got skills or talents or experiences, things that we can offer. Some of those things may be in our workplaces. Some of them may be with our friendship groups. Some of them may be in our clubs or wherever we go. And we may want to serve God in those places, but also we can serve God here. And I was just really excited. One guy's only been with us for a month, and I asked him, would you be able to serve on the doors team? He's like, yeah, all right, I'll give it a go. Standing out there today in his T-shirt, welcoming people in. So if you are part of Words, if you call this your home, could I encourage you to think about how you could serve? Maybe be on the prayer team. Maybe help with kids on a Sunday morning. Maybe help with hospitality at the back or cleaning the toilets or setting up chairs or whatever it may be. We would love you. It's an incredible way to get to know people and get involved. I encourage you, Jesus is building his church because the church is built by Jesus. It's built on Jesus, it's built by Jesus, but it's also built through Jesus's victory. Often people like me at the front, when we stand up here, there's a danger that we can talk more about what we have to do than about what God has done. We say, you ought to do this, we ought to do that. And you can often end up with a hardening of the arteries. Sorry, it's a really bad joke, I know. I'm a dad, I've been a dad for seven years, um, so I'm allowed to say things like that. But actually, it's important to know that the church is built through Jesus' victory. Jesus died and was raised to life. And do you see what Jesus says here? He says, the gates of Hades will not overcome it, not overcome my church. Now, personally, I find this a slightly amusing image, the gates of Hades. My kids, when we go to the park, they love riding on the gate. We'll kind of open the gate, and they jump on, and then they kind of round, and then they, you know, and they kind of pull it back. Daddy, you know, but I've never, they love riding on the gate back, because I've never seen them attacked by a gate. I've never seen them overcome by a gate. And yet Jesus says here that the gates of Hades will not overcome my church. What's he going on about? Hades is a Greek word for the kind of the place of the dead. And the incredible news that in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, those gates have been bust open, burst open. Jesus smashes them open as he defeats death. And so for those of us who follow Jesus, death is not the end. Just incredibly good news. And in a culture where death is taboo, yet everyone's going to face it, we need to hold on to this truth. No matter what the story of the church looks like, and it could look kind of scary or depressing, actually Jesus has got the victory. It means that personally, maybe we're facing redundancy. Maybe we're facing illness. Maybe we're facing loneliness. Maybe we're facing mental health issues. Actually, one day, God is going to make it all okay. I don't say that to diminish what you're going through right now. It's not just about pie in the sky when we die. 
but we do know how the story ends. And I want to encourage you this evening, if you're really wrestling, if you're really struggling, Jesus is building his church through his victory on the cross. Friends, I don't know what you think about when you read the words of the Apostles' Creed. Maybe you've never read it before. If you go back home and you Google it, you have the whole thing up. It's kind of the, pretty much the, the song that we sing by Hillsong anyway. But actually, it can be good to go through that. So actually, I'm joining with these people, the church, Catholic, the communion of saints throughout history. We affirm that the church is built on Jesus, that the church is built by Jesus, and the church is built through his victory. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to continue to worship together. Father God, I want to say thank you for your goodness. I say thank you for your gift to us of your church. Father, I ask that you'd forgive us for when as church we don't look like the one that we follow. But I want to thank you that it's built on Jesus. It's built by Jesus. And it's built through his victory, through his death and his resurrection. And it means we know how the story's going to end. Lord, would you help those truths to penetrate deeply into our hearts in these days? In Jesus' name, amen.